uh, in terms of meditation, you know, if you've been at this game uh, 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 a while, the mind slips into silence pretty easy because it's been trained to do that, and and some of the agitations of mind that that one gets caught up into, those have been seen and understood and not not so indulged in. But if you haven't had much experience in that, slipping into silence is not is not so easy. So you you always have to sort of be kind to yourself and, and, and realize wherever you're at, you're at. That's that's what you're gonna work with. And and certainly my my early years of, of monasticism there was not much peace. And there was there was just a mind which was uh, incredibly um, restless and and uh, angry about silly things and thinking about food 24/7, all manner of uh, delightful delusions. So the I think the kind of uh, the ability to kind of just take stock of this moment without without judging it, like to take stock of your own habits around uh, sitting meditation and and begin to try to depersonalize it and kind of step back and say rather than I'm I'm really hopeless in meditation, you step back, oh yeah, the mind was really restless or um, there was there was a lot of pain in the body or whatever it is. So the more you can step back and witness things and not deny them but witness them, then you start to engage them with mindfulness and wisdom rather than with a selfie which is always so frustrated by things. So that stepping back is that awakened mind which I was talking about. And that is something that uh, one needs to trust in and do 24-7 for at least one lifetime. As you might know, I like to I like to compare practice of meditation with craft and, and any any craft you pick up if you haven't really done it much or you're not very adept and you're gonna feel quite awkward or, or frustrated or whatever. And and all of those reactions to a recalcitrant mind, the path of awareness is to say that's okay too. Even the, the sense of like, God, this is hopeless. Oh yeah, this is what hopeless feels like. So each each mind moment, the more you can awaken to it just as it is, the habit of of attention begins to appreciate this more spacious possibility of awareness of change. Yeah? And then, like, I can feel this cough trying to come up, and I was kind of thinking of an analogy of, it doesn't really seem like it's necessary to cough now, but it's just my body says, oh, come on, it's just one more. <laughs> and then if I cough, it goes into a whole spasm. And, and you think, well, wait a minute, what are you doing when your usefulness is gone? So it's almost like a bodily habit. And the mind, too, it's, it's kind of perverse, isn't it? Why would we worry? You know, why, why, why get uptight? It seems like counterproductive, doesn't it? Logically. And yet there it is, the mind you know, reacts in some kind of ways which create unpleasant states of mind. And, and that's, that all belongs. And, and the more we, we open with awareness to this as a sankara, the less habitual it becomes. The more we engage in it in a kind of struggle, I shouldn't be angry or, well, they shouldn't have said that, you know, that kind of thing. Then by engaging in the sankhara, that very engagement creates the sankhara, creates this personality, creates a sense of self. And the mind's always enmeshed 
in thought and emotion, it never notices that actually awareness is something behind it, around it, bigger than it. No? And and getting to that sense of awareness as your place of refuge is, it's a serious insight, I think. Huh? It's very, you know, that, that you that you trust that uh, kind of like if you have some like anxiety or worry in the mind, that just be aware of it. That it'll work. It'll work itself out. Don't worry about it. But the very tendency to worry is is then to worry. I know my brother. When my mother was worried, he'd say, "Don't worry," and he was just kind of putting her down. And the worst thing you'd say someone's worrying is, "Don't worry." And I, I would just kind of listen to her worries and just try to take her to another topic. I kind of just let her away from that. So all of us have to understand our, our conditioning, what, what manifests in the mind, how the sense of self manifests, and then not believe in it, no longer believe in it. In terms of, of meditation techniques, I think the, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you have challenges in kind of quietening the mind, then probably the simplest and well-proven method is just counting breaths. A very, very simple one. Zen, Zen folk do that a lot, and I, I was taught that. So the one I was taught it was to uh, take some aspect of the breath. If you have a cough, it's more difficult. But take some aspect of the breath, so it could be at the nose, the belly, or the whole breath. And then the, the way the mind remembers to stick to the object of meditation is through intention. When you make an intention, that creates the causes for memory to arise. Even even if my thoughts keep taking me off into Thailand or whatever, uh, if I keep making the intention, when I notice the thoughts, I make the intention, no, no, now I'm going to devote my time to the breath, then that intention creates the memory of what you're doing. Right. So So intention is different than judgment. Judgment is, oh, God, well, you know, I'm not getting anywhere. No, 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 you just wake up. Oh, no, no, now the breath, now the breath. So so that intentionality is, is firm, but it's not averse. It's not saying you can't think or whatever. It's just saying, no, no, now your priorities is the object of awareness. No, no, priority. And you have to keep, you know, it's like sharpening a chisel. You try to sharpen a, a chisel and get it to a sort of highly polished, uh, I Crawford was showing how he chart, how he um, sharpens chisel. I think Neuro Chemical was too. And man, he can get a polish on that thing. It's like a mirror you can shave with it. And I, just watching him, he just just grinds away, grinds away until he gets it right. And that 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 ability to just be with your meditation object. And if you if you're sitting, you're falling asleep. Okay, that's what I'm working with. If you're sitting, you think, what the hell am I doing here? I want to go for a walk. That's your object. That's the hindrance. And you, you keep returning with this kind of firm determination. No, this is my priority. So it's like like uh, prioritizing your attention rather than demanding that you don't have anything else coming up into the mind. It's just gently. So if you, if you say, try something very obvious like, like counting, uh, so the way I do it, I have done it, say, is to count one at the end of each out-breath, two out-breath. And that, that's a very simple method that you have to keep track. And, and lo and behold, you get at, was it six or five? And your mind's wandered off, you don't know. Then you, then you start again. You know, a little punishment there now. <laughs> Slap on the wrist. You start again, 
And then that starting again uh, kind of gives you more impetus to, okay, I want to stay with this. I'm going to get to 10. Now, you can misuse that and get kind of crazy determined, and you know, but, but it, it's quite a skillful method. And if you, if you remember what we're doing is just learning to try to be present for 10 breaths. That's all. Not get rid of thought, not attain anything, just be present, 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 breath by breath. Then that little method helps a lot, actually. And then after a while, if your mind gets settled, you find that you don't really need to do that. So in the, in the chanting that we do in the mornings, um, we say, secluded from uh, sensual pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states, initial and subsequent application of thought. Right? So, so what, what, what is that saying? It's saying like the, the dullness or the aversion or that, we know that and we don't go there. So that's a big job. That's a big job to the, the fantasies that are in mind or the plans. We are aloof from that. So they come, but no, we're not picking them up anymore. So aloof from sensual pleasures. And I think the sensual pleasures that I get on a retreat is making stuff. I get this brilliant idea, always brilliant, of what I'm going to make. And then if I'm not careful, because it's such, it's such fun, you know, oh, yeah, I could, we got a lot of maple there. We could make, and, and that, that's like a bonbon, isn't it? That's like a little mental candy. What do they call that? Yeah, mental candy. And, and so then if I'm not careful, that is pleasurable, but then the pleasure leads to rebirth. And I, and I get this, oh God, I've built this thing a hundred times. Come on, put it down. But now it's like the cough, right? Now it's like the cough coming up and it's got the habit now of building something. That's called um, old age sickness and death. <laughs> and now I have to live with that habit. And then I get averse to it and then I try to get rid of it. But if you, if you just have an object of awareness that you, you turn to as a kind of settling mind, then irrespective of these things that come up, you've got, you've got a place in your body, say, in the breath, where you can say, oh, this is awareness. That's what you're trying to return to. This is awareness. Awareness feels this way. And keep training in that. So like with counting, you know, people that, that I know that use a lot, you quite often, they, I have a friend who started in Zen, and he comes here a lot, and he, uh, he's been a meditator for maybe 30, 40 years. And he always starts with the counting. He settles his mind with that, and then he, and then he lets go of the counting. Uh, so that's quite, it's quite an obvious thing. It's quite, in, in the beginning of meditation, if you don't make your intention very, very obvious, if it's kind of vague, then your mind will, will not have the kind of uh, focus and firmness of, well, what am I doing now? What's the project for this half hour? What's the project for the hour? If you're thinking you want to get something, like attain to something, you get in trouble too, because then you have a sense of, you have an agenda, uh, which you're trying to achieve, but if you don't notice it, that very agenda can be filled with craving and make you actually restless. Not that we don't have a kind of vision of what the quiet mind is like. These are, these are natural insights that we have. But the approach to that quiet mind is always present moment awareness. So you want to, you want to make it clear that the present moment is like this. Get that kind of clarity of presence. Get that really, oh yeah, it's this way. 
get a feeling for that. And then can you get a meditation object which helps you to sustain that sense of presence? And the rest should take care of itself. And the rest really is more, more like letting go rather than acquiring. Like the things fall away. So say in that recitation or concentration that we do in the mornings that, um, and then secluded from sensual pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states of mind, the, the kind of letting go of initial and subsequent thought. So, so the way it works is you, you make an intention, which is thought, uh, I'm going to do the breath. Right? It's thought. And then you try to apply your attention to the breath and you, you keep coaching yourself. No, no, breath, no more table building, breath, and you keep going. And, and then after a while, you don't need that thought. You don't need to say that because your, your mind is now settled on the object. Or, or you find that, that your mind needs to, the reminders need to be less um, vigorous or less severe or less often. So in the beginning, you might like say that beautiful example that Lumpur Sumedho gives when he talks about his first year of meditation, that he, he, his mind was so hyperactive that he just had to say, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. Let go. He just had to fill his mind with this mantra of letting go, let go until, you know, kind of staying in the present moment. So, you know, sometimes you, you have to just remind yourself a lot, you know, just the breath. And, and it's very, it's very boring. It's quite frustrating. It's not like, sometimes it's boring. It's not like creative, right? But it, it's more like, like if you think about production and craft, if someone is making, like if you look at a, a carpet weaver, some of the, Carpets, the knotted carpets that you see from Afghanistan, or you got kids or, or, or women or men who are knotting this thing. One person usually is, the way I've seen it, one person gives the count for the knots and colors that they do, sometimes even in a kind of sing song way, and then the other person is doing it. It's very interesting. But to produce a carpet, this is a knotted carpet, right? And that one is a hundred years old. That comes from Delhi. Now, each of those things is like a little, little knot. And that's the idea of, of, of producing a product which requires tremendous patience. So you can get the idea, oh yeah, carpets, I get that. Whenever I see something nice, I think, oh, I'd like to learn how to do that. But then when I get in the production side, then it's tougher. Oh, okay, I know the technique now. Oh, I have to do this for four years before it's finished. <laughs> and that, that kind of productive part, of, that kind of comes in meditation too, that you, you keep applying, applying attention in a very kind of rigorous way, yeah? not in a forced way. And then, lo and behold, you start to get the results. Your mind starts to settle because you've, you've created causes for the mind to settle. And once it settles and you understand the hindrances, you, you become much more adept at when the hindrances arise, you don't go there. You just know how to do them. So the, like on a retreat, we create an, an atmosphere where we do a hell of a lot of meditation, actually. You know, it's, it's kind of a lot of hours. So if you're not used to so many hours of meditation, it's good to try to kind of build up. So you, you take this session in the afternoon and say, okay, I can do that. I can do three hours. And then you have the evening puja, and then you might say in the morning, well, I've got some time, just see if I can do an hour's walking. And then the restless mind will think, oh, enough already. 
but then you, you kind of like to push yourself a bit. How can I put more hours of, of this formal practice in? Physically, please do take care of your bodies. Don't get a cough. Not good for you. But also uh, exercise. And if you're finding that your knees are getting stressed, use a chair. You know, switch the posture. Because to do a long, long retreat, it's it's uh, if your if your body's not used to it, it's 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 not not that easy. So go for a good walk and get exercise, get some fresh air. If you're finding like the meditation just isn't working, then 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 just go for a walk. Rather than, like, you try to find the difference between pushing yourself always or just n- never pushing yourself, right? And then knowing, well, actually, this, like I was uh, talking to someone who, who's experiencing sleepiness, right? And for instance, say, I, if I got uh, sleepy in the afternoons and uh, I found that when I was practicing on my own, I'd, I'd try to sit after after our, uh, like in Thailand, after the meal, which was kind of finished at nine o'clock. And then I could, I could be nodding for a couple of hours and not get out of it. And yet if I just took a rest for 20 minutes, did a kind of power nap, then I'd have brightness all the way through. So there, there's, there's a sort of wisdom there of, okay, what is it now in the way I'm making intention? Is it skillful or unskillful? Am I pushing myself too much? Or am I just like, every time I feel restless, I'm getting up and going? And those are things that we have to discover by ourselves. So if you think about like an hour sitting, um, we, we, we set the clock for an hour. You know, so if I'm here, I set the clock. And if my body starts to hurt, let's say if after 50 minutes, then I want to cheat. But every time I'm like, oh, I could ring the bell. <laughs> I've got power. So, you know, and I watch that. No, 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 this is the way it is now. And then because I usually don't do that unless I really, really have to, then I, I can see the restlessness that pain creates. So it becomes a way of understanding, oh, it's just discomfort. Discomfort is this way. And I take it through for the, for the hour of meditation. So these chunks of time that we, that we designate, that's a, that's a pretty good way of observing your mind. You know, it's a, it's a chunk of time which is sort of not being run by you, as it were. If, if I, when I started meditation, if I would have moved away from the meditation every time I felt uncomfortable, I wouldn't get five minutes in, right? So being in Thailand and sitting in those hot, hot meditation halls, I just had to learn how to be with discomfort and heat. And that wasn't even a meditative process, it was a survival process, <laughs> just like that. But that was good, just to, to kind of be there and not understand the language and feel the concrete and feel the heat and feel totally useless, really, just. And, and constantly, this is what useless feels like. And then you see even, like awareness is always bigger than any, any emotion, any thought, it's always something that say transcends because it knows the way things are any hindrances that come up again try to see them okay that's the program today that's what i want to learn from i get a a naughty piece of wood or i'm having difficulty getting the right uh, you see if you look at this carpet you see that all the patterns are the same right but this one is narrower than that one you see that 
So that means that they whacked it harder here and whacked, you know, because they beat the carpet. I have nothing to do, so I always look at this carpet. <laughs> so this is narrower than that, right? So if I take that just a bit, but quite a bit, right? From there to there. So it's quite a bit, you know, not much wider. So what they're doing is when they knot the rug, each, each line, then they take the beater and they whack it down, right? So I think, here's my theory, she was angry here. <laughs> she was angry at her husband. And she's much more cool here. So the kind of stuff we experience in our craft, it's, it's not always the same. Each meditation is different. So sometimes you'll, you'll come into a meditation where you, you get a memory of, of, of something that was unfair. They just pop into your mind. And then you, you, you can see your mind kind of going there. And they say, oh yeah, this is what rage feels like. I'm exaggerating. And then back to the object of meditation. So the object of meditation becomes your, your go-to place again and again and again. I know this carpet quite well. I know this one too. Anyway, some thoughts for a reflection. Mm-hmm.